0: If you can't make those times, you'll want to register anyway so you can get access to the session recordings. And now, on to the episode. Hey, fellow mathematicians! Welcome to the podcast where math is figure outable. I'm Pam.
1: And I'm Kim. And
0: we're here to suggest that mathematizing is not about mimicking or rote memorizing but it's about thinking and reasoning, about creating and using mental relationships. The mathematics class can be less like it has been for so many of us and more like mathematicians working together. We answer the question,
1: if not algorithms, then what? Y'all, last week we began an important series about multiplication facts. Very important. And shared some clarification around the words memorization, automaticity, and fluency. You'll definitely want to check out episode 34 for some important background information. In today's episode, we want to talk about some of the more common routines that we see happening in classrooms to help students become fluent with Mm -hmm. multiplication facts. And we want to shed some light and some current research on why we believe some of these routines aren't maybe getting you the results that you really want. We're going to try to bring some awareness to the difference between what your goal is, and what might actually be happening because of the ways that you might be trying to achieve your goal.
0: Yeah. So we invite you to think about three main ideas, three indicators that describe efforts that will be less successful. Mm -hmm. So number one, if that effort is using shame to motivate. Mm -hmm. Number two, teaching the facts in isolation as as isolated things to be rote memorized. And number three, It's all about timing, that it's about being fast, that to be good means you're quick. So three things,
1: shame, facts in isolation, and speed. Yeah, so if these are important things to consider, something that we Mm -hmm. don't want, we would invite you to have these indicators in mind as we discuss some activities today. Ask yourself, do these routines have the potential to embarrass kids or to make them feel ashamed for their knowledge or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. Are they focused often on speed so that it appears that quickness matters most? Mm -hmm. And are they activities that tend to view facts in something learned in isolation rather than connection to the other facts?
0: Yeah. Now this episode is not about shaming anyone. We just yeah. mentioned that we don't want you to do shaming activities in your classroom. We also don't believe in shaming adults. Shame doesn't work. It doesn't motivate. Right. We're all about motivating positive growth. And we think you are too, mm-hmm. that you want to motivate positive growth in your students. So we're going to discuss some of the prevalent ways that teachers try to help students learn their facts. That because they're focused on shame, isolation, and speed, they will be less successful than other equally fun, much more motivating activities that we can do with students that get really helpful results. Much more helpful results, like the relationships between the facts and students who are knowing multiplicatively those relationships, and they'll also know the facts better than
1: just in isolation. Oh, absolutely. So listen, I use some of these routines when I first began teaching, right? They were things that I participated in as a kid. And Mm -hmm. so it was what I was familiar with and what I thought were maybe some good ways to practice when I taught facts in isolation. So it's Mm -hmm. okay to have been there. It's also okay to do better when you know better.
0: Right, exactly. It's all about doing better when you know better. So today we're going to sort of help shed that light on how we can all know better a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about one of the most common routines, Mm -hmm. time tests. Yeah. Time tests are also maybe known as mad minutes or fat tests. You know the kind, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So there might be a full page of basic multiplication problems. It could be all the same kind of facts, like a page of sixes or a page of sevens, or maybe it's a full page of mixed problems. But either way, kids are maybe passed out a page. And then once the teacher says it's time, or maybe says go, they turn it over and have a certain amount of time, like maybe a minute or two or five, to complete as many of the problems on the page as they can before the timer goes off or the teacher says stop.
0: Or, or they might be on a computer and it might yeah. be the same sort of thing. Yep. Like It's like go, and then they have so much time to do it and stop and it's a yeah.
1: time thing. So the intended outcome is that students maybe know they have these practices and as they work on their facts, they get better and better over time. They have a measurable way to determine their progress. Definitely a speed component involved there. Right,
0: but the actual outcome is at worst math anxiety in so many students who never really get good at the facts. And at best it's facts in isolation for almost all the rest of the students. Yeah. That's a ton of students who never learned the facts, but learn to have anxiety around math, or students who have these disconnected facts in rote memory, but can't actually use them to reason multiplicatively, right. which is our goal. Right. So, Joe Bowler from Stanford University has a great article out called Research Suggests Timed Tests Cause Math Anxiety. That's the title of the article. Okay. She clearly states, quote, Evidence strongly suggests that timed tests cause the early onset of math anxiety for students across the achievement range, unquote. Mm. She found a study that found researchers now know that students experience stress on timed tests that they do not experience even when working on the same math question in untimed conditions and then in a different study of first and second graders researchers measured students levels of math anxiety and they found that students as young as first grade experienced math Mm. anxiety and that levels of math anxiety did not correlate with grade level reading level or parental income now that might sound kind of jargony but let's get down to why that happens why do time tests cause math anxiety when researchers analyzed brain imaging data from seven to nine-year-olds while they were working on addition subtraction problems and found that those students who felt panicky about math also had increased activity in brain regions associated with fear. Mm. Right. They're feeling panicky. That makes sense, right? Fear. Okay. But when those areas are activated, researchers found that decreased activity took place in the brain regions that are involved in problem solving. (laughs) That's important. Literally, students couldn't think as well. How does that make sense? Researchers use brain scans to show that when students compute with math facts, like those in time tests, they recall information that's held in working memory. Mm -hmm. Researchers found that when people are stressed, the pressure blocks their working memory. And so facts that people are familiar with can't be recalled. You've probably felt this happen when you're in stress or pressure, like in a public situation, when your mind goes blank. Right? Joe Bowler says, this is the impact of stress blocking the working memory. When students who experience stress in timed conditions find they cannot access their working memory, they underachieve, which causes them to question their math ability and in many cases develop further stress and anxiety, unquote. So now we've got a ton of people who think they're not good at math, but in reality, they just aren't great at recalling disconnected
1: facts under pressure. Y'all, that's not math. Yeah. (laughs) So, so it's funny that you are mentioning this research because I can remember the one time that I ever cried in math class. I was was so young. I was probably in second grade Mm. and I was brand new to a school and, um, first day, literally first day, the teacher says, "Oh, it's so great to to have you in class." We're just about to do our fact practice and I was like, "Sweet, I know my facts." So Yay. I get out a piece of notebook paper. So She's, you're actually feeling really confident at this point. I was like, "I'm I'm going to do great, right?" Woohoo. She, she calls out the problems. And in the previous school that I had been at, you write the problem and the answer. But in this school, apparently, you just write the answer. And and I could not write fast enough. you didn't know that. I didn't didn't know know the rules, right? Ah. I didn't know what we were doing. And she's calling out so quickly. And I couldn't write fast enough. But here's the thing. I also could not recall the answers to the problems fast enough. I was so flustered. And I remember tears just coming down. (laughs) I was was panicked. I was absolutely panicked. And I felt a little Ah. ashamed. So we mentioned time with times (sighs) tests, but also- Kim, I'm so sorry (laughs) for you guys. Like I'm failing for you.
0: But in reality, how many people listening to this, like relate to that experience?
1: yeah. Yeah. Or have kids who also can relate to it, right? At a very young age. Yep. So we mentioned time, but there Mm -hmm. can also be a lot of shame as well as- yeah. Be- you know, based on how this activity is facilitated, um, mm-hmm. by asking kids to call out how many they got correct in front of their peers, uh, yeah, can have some shame, right? Or by announcing yep. or marking which page of facts—if it's a six and then a seven and then an eight page—asking kids to to uh, tell what page number they're on mm-hmm. can be so like super, the whole class knows, right? Yes, Everybody's that, real
0: public. Can uh-huh. be super shameful, right? Yeah, so this reminds me of my daughter's elementary class. So she was in fourth grade, and they were doing this fact practice stuff in ways we don't prefer. Um, And her thing that year was that she was earning an ice cream sundae. Yeah. So if she could pass off a certain fact, like uh, the eights or whatever, then, uh, she would, if she got enough of right on a time test, um, then she could add the hot fudge topping or if, oh, she, yeah. mm-hmm. if she got the fours, then she could add the sprinkles or whatever. So like, there was like, and it was very, very public. The, the ice cream, um, the picture of an ice cream uh, sundae was hanging on the wall and when they got it, they could color it in and everything. And then. Uh, at the end of the year, or sometime, or whatever, then whatever you'd earned, then they actually had this like ice cream Sunday part. Can you imagine the kid yeah. who didn't g- get any, yeah. or uh, you know, had ice cream only, or whatever? I mean, it was uh, it's very public shaming kind of kind of task that we're not recommending. Yeah.
1: Well, and it seems like the goal is to motivate or encourage students with these activities, right. uh-huh. but for so yeah. many students, it's not. Yeah. Now, some of you might be saying, but kids love competition. They love earning things. So let's Mm -hmm. break down why these maybe are not so helpful. Right. Because again, a lot of us experienced them. Some of us had success in those things. So it feels
0: like, you know, let's keep doing these things. Even it's funny. Sometimes we talk to parents who are like, well, no, I hated that, but, but I know my kid needs to do it. And you're like, ah, maybe we could rethink that. So remember our three things, shame, time, and isolation. So First, timed means that we're emphasizing speed is so important. And we don't think it is. But notice how these, these activities we just mentioned all like make it be all about time. And then second, when you're competing in front of everybody, that has high shame potential. Everybody can see who's on what part of the Sunday or when the teacher calls. Come get your sevens if you're on the sevens. Yeah. It's all very public. And if you're the kid still on the fours, it doesn't help you be more motivated. Shame right. doesn't work that way. And these tasks are so focused on facts in isolation, not our goal. We want to learn the facts through relationship. Another thing that I saw that we'd like to talk about today, I walked into my kid's third grade classroom. It was one of those moments, watershed moments, when I realized I needed to get involved in my kid's elementary math education. Um, it was honest, hardworking teachers who are just sort of missing what math, uh, mathematics facts could be and should be. So let me describe... Um, these posters were all about rote memorization of the facts. They were uh, rhymes or or pictures. And in fact, when we threw out on Twitter, "Hey, what are your what are the some of the worst ways that you guys suggest um, that kids could learn facts?" Harvey, or excuse me, Richard Harvey Swanston gave us an example of a poster I had not seen. So this is not exactly the poster that was on my kid's third grade wall, but it's um, it has the same bent. So uh, he tweeted us um, some pictures of these posters. When we describe. One of these not so mathy posters. All right, you ready? All right, everybody. This is this is how you're going to learn this fact. So so get it down. Here we go. There's a door and a sign next to the door, and the sign is covered with a bunch of sticks, like like, <laughs> t- like sticks off a tree, right? There's like a bunch of sticks
1: are like all over the sign.
0: Okay, there you go. Like that evokes math, right? We got it, Kim. What in the world is that supposed to help us? With? Yeah, I
1: saw that poster. So the door. Represents uh the digit four. The door (laughs) door is four. Okay. And door times sign, sign is nine. So door times sign equals obviously dirty sticks, which is oh I forgot to mention that the sticks were dirty sticks. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) dirty, so door times sign four times nine equals obviously dirty sticks, 36. And it shows a (gasps) sign with the four on it, and the sticks are covering the picture right it's all about memorizing this other thing that doesn't have anything to do with math much like songs or rhymes that kids Mm -hmm. listen to over and over again and what happens right if they memorize the song wrong or mix up the posters in fact one
0: of the things that i sometimes say when we're working with teachers is i'll say hey like a rhyme like this like uh six times eight like the garden gate is made of sticks so it's 50 wait shoot i have the wrong
1: right? Because it's not six times eight isn't 56. It's
0: seven times eight. But if I memorize that rhyme wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So rote memorizing facts in isolation leaves students without any recourse when they can't remember it. And it's when,
0: not if they can't remember it. Y'all, memory fails for everybody at some point. Okay. So let's talk about another kind of uh, thing that meets our three criteria. How about round the world? Now, maybe you called it something different in your class. Around the world for me looked like um, the teacher would say, "Okay, two students stand up," and they she would flash a fact, and whoever got it right um, then got to stay up, and the other person was sort of shamed and sat down. And but uh, you know, bummer. And 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 then uh, you know we kept going around the world. The person who sta- stayed standing went and stood next to someone else, and they continued the thing. And so your right. goal was to be the kid that was standing and keep going and woohoo, whatever. So all the things. Like time, it was all about who could get it quicker. Mm-hmm. Shame you had to sit down if you were the one that didn't get it right. And facts in isolation, it wasn't anything about how the facts are related to anything. It wasn't about their connections and multiplicative reasoning. It was just like this cold fact in front of, of other students. Not uh, an ideal um, for those for for, our mate, for all the three reasons. Right. Uh, around round the world does not um, win. But, and you know what. Go ahead, ahead, Kim. I was going to say,
1: the the (laughs) most interesting part about this activity for me is that the the kid who probably knows their facts the least and needs the most uh, uh, practice, Practice if you will, in in a good way, is the one who sits down right away. (laughs) And that's why you you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, Because it was totally you that pointed that out to
0: me. Like we were talking about all these things not to do. And I was like, oh, around the world fits our three. And you're like, oh, it fits a fourth. Yeah. Like the, the, the the kids that need the most practice are sitting down and
1: the kid who doesn't need the most practice is the one who gets more practice because they're, uh, yeah. uh, Well, and I was going to tell you that, that I was actually having a conversation with one of my sons and, and apparently it's a thing that if you know, you're going to play this game, you just get out the first round if you feel like you're not successful and then you just get to sit oh, there. Oh.
0: You well, just get to sit
1: there while all the all the other How come things- I never
0: thought of that in elementary school? Man, I just kept yeah. myself like tensed and and primed ready to go.
1: Ay, ay, ay. So when you're choosing a computer program or a game or an activity for students, don't choose those who are all about speed and being fast or those who shame students who are slower, those that are all about rote memorizing facts in isolation. Exactly. So what should you choose? Well,
0: to listen to the podcast next week. Uh, We try to keep these podcasts manageable uh, that you can listen to in your commute or when you get a a moment of time. We know you guys are busy parents and teachers. So next week, in next week's podcast, we're going to give you examples of our favorite tasks, activities, and games to promote real mathematics and learning the facts at the same time.
1: Remember to join us on MathStratChat on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram on Wednesday evenings where we explore problems with the world.
0: Yeah, and please share with your friends and colleagues uh, the podcast. Give us a rating and a review so that more people can find the podcast so we can spread the, world, or, the, world, spread the word to the world that math is forgettable. So if you're interested to learn more mathematics and you want to help yourself and your students develop as mathematicians, and don't miss the Math is Figure Outable podcast because math is Figure Outable. Thank you for listening and making math more
1: Figure Outable. Remember, we're going to be opening registration for the Math is Figure Outable challenge soon. Mark your calendar from May 15th through 17th. You are not going to want to miss these free PD evenings where you'll learn four routines you need in your classroom. That are naturally engaging and encourage students to think mathematically. And remember, if you can't
0: make those times, registering gets you access to the recordings. Keep making math, figure outable.